We're going to turn in God's word, please, to 1 Corinthians and the chapter 11. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the sacraments and then, in particular, the subject of baptism. I want to bring a few messages on the subject of the Lord's table. Uh, So the two sacraments are baptism and the Lord's Supper. I'm not sure how many messages I'll bring on this. We look to the Lord that he'll give direction. Uh, Some of the messages on baptism were a little bit technical, uh, and hopefully tonight that won't be the case. Uh, I trust that tonight's message will be uh, very simple, and that we're able to take hold of what is set forth in these words before us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're just going to read the words of our text. Verse 36. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth. You do show rather the Lord's death till he come. We'll seek the Lord's face together in prayer. We need the Lord's help as we come to this time. Let us each pray. Our gracious Father, and we pray, dear Lord, that thou wilt give that needed help of the Spirit of God this evening. O oh Lord, we pray that as we come and consider this matter of the Lord's table, and that you will lead and direct us in our thoughts this evening. And, O Lord, we thank thee for the blessedness that has been already today for us to sit at the table and to partake of the elements and how precious they are to us. And, O Lord, we pray, even as we come and consider this matter together, that we will again know the Lord's help. Give that needed help, we pray in our Lord's great name. Amen. Amen. When, they, when the children of Israel entered into the promised land in Joshua chapter 5, there were two vital matters that had to be attended to. The matter of circumcision and the matter of the Passover. And it would seem that these matters had been neglected. In the wilderness journey, certainly the matter of circumcision. And it was a matter then that had to be put right. It was a matter that had to be attended to. And so as the children of Israel were entering into a new era, they were to ensure that these two sacraments of circumcision and the Passover were to be Observed. Now, when we come into the New Testament, circumcision gives way to baptism. The Passover gives way to the Lord's Supper. And just as those two sacraments in Joshua 5 were reinstituted at the beginning of a new era, so we find in the New Testament after the death and resurrection ascension of our Lord, 
the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper were instituted in that new era. There was, with the completion of the earthly work of our Saviour, a new Gilgal, as it were. And so the words that we heard read earlier in the meeting, Joshua chapter 5, that event took place at Gilgal, this place where reproach was rolled away. So there was a new Gilgal then in the New Testament with baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now both of those sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, have an age-long connotation. And so in Matthew chapter 28, when we have there the words of the Great Commission, which are also the words when baptism was instituted and the children learned these words last year in our Bible club, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Or it could be translated, in fact, it would be better translated, even unto the end of the age. So baptism is for this age. It's until the Lord comes again. And then we have here in our text, in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, that the Lord's table is until he come. And of course that phrase, the end of the age, until he come, they are referring to the same time, the end of the age, our Lord's return. And very often in the New Testament we do have this tension between the present age, the present world, and the age to come. The world to come. The present versus the not yet. And so we're here in the present. And we are looking forward to the not yet. We are looking forward to the age to come. And every time a baptism takes place, there is this recognition. We are still in the present age. Every time we observe the Lord's table, we are acknowledging we are in this present age. And we are looking for the age to come. We are looking for something that is better. And so when we think of a baptism then, which reminds us of the new birth, we are looking for a new body. As we think of the washing away of sin, we are looking for a complete deliverance from all sin. When we come to the Lord's table, and we think not only then of sitting at the Lord's table in a meeting house like this one, but we look forward, in the words of Revelation 19, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Or in the words of Luke 22, we look forward to eating and drinking at the Lord's table in his kingdom. 
And so the Lord's table is of long duration because it signifies that which is of eternal duration. It will give way to something better. And every time we sit at the table, then we remember this. And we have done it one more time. And yet there is a sense that it's one time less. We are closer than we have been before to the not yet, the age to come. And so I want to think about this statement in our, our text, verse 26. You do show the Lord's death until he come. And I want to think about this showing forth that is only for the present age. The Lord's table is only until he come. Because when he comes... Number one, Christ's supply will be manifest in its fullest extent. When the Lord comes, we won't need the table in its present form. Because Christ's supply will be manifest to us then in its fullest extent. You see, at the Lord's table, we have these two elements. The bread and the wine. And they are communicating to us. That the life of the Christian is one of feeding upon Jesus Christ. And of course, we don't only feed upon the Lord when we come to the table. We are to do that continually, though we do it in a very special sense at the table. But at the table then, there is this idea being set forth, we feed upon Christ. And the bread then is a symbol of our Lord's broken body. Our Lord's body broken in his death. Not a bone broken and yet every bone as it were shook out of its socket. His broken body. The cup speaks of Christ's shed blood. And very especially then when we feed, we feed upon Christ's death. This is to be the diet, as it were, of the Christian. No matter where we come to in the Word of God and we read in the Word of God, ultimately we should be seeking to see Christ. And we should be seeking to see Something fresh about his death set forth in that particular passage. Uh, We feed upon Christ. We feed upon his death in particular. Not in a physical way. Not in a carnal way. And so at the table, when we come and partake of the elements, we're not eating of Christ in a physical manner. But we feed upon him By faith. And so there is this idea of feeding. Uh, The Lord said when he instituted the Lord's table. Take eat. Take eat. Feed upon it. He said drink. Remember the Lord's Supper. It arose out of the Passover. We today do not observe the Passover. The, The type That is in the Passover has been fulfilled. We have the reality today and so we no longer need to have 
a Passover feast. Remember in the Passover, there was the lamb that was slain. But today, we don't slay a lamb. Because the lamb has been slain. There's no blood at the Lord's table. Because the blood has been shed already. All that we have then is the bread and the wine speaking to us of that which has been done. And therefore, in Reformed churches, we don't have an altar. We have merely a table. And we don't have a priest at an altar. We don't have a sacrifice. Rather, we have merely this memorial. The bread and the wine. Because Christ is our Passover lamb. His was the sacrifice of all sacrifices. The sacrifice that put an end to sacrifices. That lamb in the Old Testament was to be unblemished. If its skin was torn, if it had some illness, it was not fit to be used as the Passover lamb. And it points then to Christ who is the absolute perfect lamb. No sin in him. And yet sin was led upon him. Because the lamb was roasted in the fire. Now that fire of course speaking of judgment. And so while the lamb had no sin of its own. Sin was seen to be led upon it. Speaking of Christ sin led upon him. He was placed into this place of the wrath of God. As he took our sin. And today then we have the bread. Our Lord spoke about himself as being a corn of wheat. John twelve twenty four. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone. And so if you want a harvest of grain. There's no point in keeping that. Grain stored in your cupboard. You're going to have to take it and put it into the ground. It dies. But there's this germination that comes forth. There is fruit that follows. Christ then, he died. In order that there would be this fruit. In order that there would be the seed, his people. He is the corn of wheat that has died for us. He was placed into the oven of God's wrath. And this idea of wrath then is surely seen so clearly in the wine. The juice of the grape. Where the grape has been bruised, crushed, broken. It has been treading upon. And scripture uses that image to speak of the wrath of God. For those that are not converted. For those that die unconverted. 
They will be like grapes in a winepress. They will be trodden upon. For all eternity. The cross then was like the winepress. Our Saviour was trodden upon. He endured the wrath that was our due. And as we come to the table then, we take the bread and the wine. We are feeding on the death of our Lord. Now you think of the idea of feeding. We take our food and it must be digested. We feed on Christ. We digest these great glorious truths. There is this supply in him. And we always need the table. Because in this life we always need this supply. But we are looking for something that is greater. In the sense... That in eternity we will see the supply in its fullest extent. Right now, though we are saved and though our eyes have been opened, we fail to grasp and we, we fail to keep in our remembrance all of the glorious truths of the gospel. That's why the Lord says do it in remembrance because we're prone to forget. But we won't have that infirmity in heaven. So there's this great supply now. But praise God in glory. Our infirmity will be removed from us. We shall be brought then to a greater spread. As it were. In Revelation seven seventeen, it says, The Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them on to living fountains of water. We'll be brought to that inexhaustible supply, continually fed, continually having those highest views of Christ. So we need the table now. To remind us of that supply. But it's temporary. Because one day we will see it. With clearest vision. Then I want to see secondly. Christ's presence. Will be manifest in its fullest extent. If we're at the Lord's Supper. At the Lord's table. We're being taught this lesson of Christ's presence. He is with us. Now, the Church of Rome, in her view of this whole matter, is wrong in so many areas. I've mentioned this issue of we don't have an altar. Rome talks about the priest and the altar, the sacrifice. Rome also has this distorted view of the table in that Rome believes that Christ is physically present in the elements. We may come back to look at this in a future week. But in the view of Rome. And they believe that the wafer. This little piece of bread. When it's held up in the mass. 
that it becomes the actual body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's what is called the doctrine of transubstantiation. That is, they believe there is an actual change. So for us, after the table, with the leftovers, it doesn't matter how they are disposed of. But for Rome, that is a great dilemma. Could a mouse pick up that wafer and eat it? And the reason why they raise that as an issue is because they believe there has been a change in substance. When we think of the actual words that Christ said at the table, it shows that that view is an absolute nonsense. Remember how the Lord was there with his disciples. So he held up the bread. And he said, this is my body. But the disciples, they were looking at Jesus. They could see him in his body. And so they didn't understand that the bread was actually his body. And they would understand immediately. It's a symbol of his body. When he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. They knew that the blood was flowing in his veins. They didn't understand that the wine actually became his blood. They understood the Lord was using a symbol. Just as when he said, I am the door. He didn't mean that there was a handle on him or a lock or hinges. It was a symbol of access. When he said, I am the shepherd, it didn't mean he had taken a literal flock. These are figures. So the bread and the wine are symbols. And so Rome has gone to one extreme and Rome says Christ is physically present. In those elements. But we must be careful not to go to the other extreme and say that Christ is not present at all. At the table we do feed upon Christ by faith. We feed upon him spiritually. And the symbols do symbolize the work of Christ. And therefore, when we come to the table, we are feeding. We are feeding spiritually. And here is one of the reasons then why the table is only until he come. Because Jesus Christ is not physically with us today. He is here by the Spirit. He is ministering to us. But in glory we will be in his physical presence. We will be physically with him. When we're given that new body. Taken physically bodily up into heaven to be with him. Then we won't need the table in his present form. Because we won't be feeding merely spiritually any longer. We'll be in our Lord's physical presence. 
First Thessalonians 4, 17. And speaking of our Lord's coming again and the Lord's people being caught up together, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We will be with him. Never to be parted again. We will be with him. Never to feel times of loneliness again. And never to feel a need of refreshment again. Because we'll continually be with him. Never feeling the Lord is far away because he never will be far away. But now, since our nature is physical, the Lord has given these physical symbols to teach us spiritual realities. Since our nature is fickle, the Lord has given us these elements To remind us. But on that day we won't need reminders. Christ's presence will be made manifest in its fullest extent. Then I want to see finally Christ's triumph will be manifest in its fullest extent. There is a victorious aspect to the table. If you look again at our text. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. Ye do show... The Lord's death till he come. The table then is like a living sermon. The table is a declaration of victory. If you could turn with me please to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians and the chapter 2. Colossians and the chapter 2. Colossians 2. And verse 14. And it says there, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, or he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. And on the cross, Satan's schemes were defeated. And Satan's schemes were to be seen as being defeated as the head of the serpent was crushed. Now Satan knows that he's defeated. The fallen angels know that they are defeated. They know what awaits them. But we think of the world, generally speaking. The world denies that the cross of Christ was victorious. There is a sense then that every time we meet and observe the Lord's table, that we are preaching a sermon Against the unbelieving world. There is a sense that every time we come and we partake of the bread. We are condemning the lost. 
for refusing to come to take Christ who is the bread. Every time we take the cup, there is a sense in which we are condemning the lost for trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. Of course, there's another sense in which we are preaching it as an invitation that the unconverted would actually come and experience the reality of Christ's death. But you think of the table in that sense. So today, as we have observed the Lord's table, many that have driven past this building are being in the oval across the way. They barely give a fleeting thought to what was going on in this place. And yet, if they die as they live, what took place here this morning was a living sermon against them in their obstinacy and unbelief. And so when we reach glory, when our Lord comes again, every eye will see him and the ungodly will wail because of him. Because then the great truths of the table will be preached afresh in a greater way. They will look upon the one whom they have pierced. The reality of Calvary will be seen in our Lord's coming again. The ungodly will see their rejection as they have never seen it thus far. As the ungodly are cast into hell. They will be very conscious for all eternity of the victory of Jesus Christ. They will be very conscious for all eternity that Christ has purchased a people to be his in his death. I mentioned this morning at the table that heaven, in heaven Christ is set forth as the Lamb. And it reminds us that we are never to lose sight of the cross. We think of the lamb whose blood was shed. There are different ways that we read of the blood in Scripture. Sometimes we read of the blood of Jesus or the blood of Christ. First Peter 1 verse 9, we're not redeemed with silver or gold, but we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is precious. Interestingly, that phrase, the blood of Christ, it also refers to the blood of Christ, the great merits of Christ's death being presented. We read of that in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Or it could be translated with his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Then verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot unto God, 
purge your conscience. It's speaking there of the presentation of the work of Christ. It's a work that has been accepted before the Father. And Christ's blood is precious. It's been presented. But then the blood is sometimes spoken of as the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12 verse 11. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And surely it has there the idea of the power of the blood. We overcome because there is power in the blood. In Colossians 1.20, we read of the blood of his cross. And in that verse, it has to do with peace. Peace through the blood. Peace through the blood of his cross. Then in Hebrews, 14, Hebrews 13, verse 20, the blood of the everlasting covenant. We are brought to the truth of the great pardon that there is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of that emphasizes to us that Christ's death is triumphant. His death was no failure. His death was no defeat. And every time we observe the table, then we are saying, Christ is victorious. But when our Lord comes again, we won't need this table because there will be absolutely no denial of that triumph. Every soul will acknowledge it. And therefore this showing forth is only for the present age. But we look for that better day that is ahead. We look forward to the temporary giving way to that which is eternal. Hebrews eleven thirteen. it says of the men and women of faith in the Old Testament, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Well, it's referring specifically to the patriarchs. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And those words, seen them afar off, they're words that can be used in a nautical sense. The sailor on the vessel, he is looking out. He is looking to see the land. He's studying the horizon as it were. And that's the task that the Lord has given to us. We're keeping our eyes open. We're looking for that which is ahead, looking for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We will not be disappointed. We will not be confounded. What a blessed thing then it is to come to the table, to partake of these elements, showing forth the Lord's death. 
I wonder, is there one in the meeting tonight or listening to this message and you're not yet converted? And though the Lord's death is shown forth at the table, you have not yet fed in that sense of coming in simple believing faith. Though tonight that you would realize your need, that you would realize you need Christ. What a great provision that Christ was sent to die for a sinner just like you. May you turn to him, come and be saved. We trust the Lord will take his word and write it upon all of our hearts.